Death is not dead. Death is separation. Remember the prodigal son was separated from his father. When he came to his right mind, he headed home. And his father said, give me a coat, give me a ring, give me some shoes. My beloved son who was dead is alive again. Well, he wasn't dead physically. He was separated. Uh, death is a separation. But if you're connected to God, you can't be separated. If you have God life, and I'm not talking about, you know, someday you're going to go to heaven. I'm talking about eternal life. God life. If you have God, it's different than, you know, well, I got a t-shirt and a bumper sticker and I'm hanging on till Jesus comes. I got, guys, I just got to tell you something. You might hear something a little bit different this morning than, than, than you've ever heard before. And I, and I just, and I want to make sure you hear me very clearly church all by itself, church, all it's going to do is make you angry. And if you don't believe me, just look around the room, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, I just, just got to poke some stuff here, but the, you know, the reality is that church all by itself, man, I, that's, that is not God life, but li- Zoe, the Greek word for life, in John 10, 10, Jesus said, I've come that you might have and enjoy life in abundance to the top till it overflows. Zoe life. Zoe life. Life as God has it. You you know, there's a lot of us that what we do is that we're under the impression that we got an idea of what this life is about. And I'm here today to tell you, no, we don't. You know, they did, they did a study. You can, you can go find it on sciencemag.com. Uh, they did a study, and they built like a house, took, a, took an environment. You know, just think Big Brother if you've watched that, you know. And, and they move them into the house, and they're in there for quite a few days, 30, 45 days. But when they first come in, they give them these goggles, these full-face glasses, and they had to put them on, and you can't take them off. Okay, you got, you got to wear these things. Just part of the agreement. They put them on, and so they, they slap them on, and everything is upside down and backwards. When you look through the glasses, I mean, hello, they're stumbling around and they got all the cameras located and they're watching these people and, and they're, they're falling around and they're stumbling and they're, and they're knocking stuff over and, 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 but after three days, wham, your brain clicks and it turns your world back over for you. And so you start going through. Now, what's weird is that when your brain flips the world back up, it doesn't do the left, right thing. It just flips it back up. So left and right is still a little goofy, but you, you figure it out that what I want in my head is over there, so I reach over here, and, and you start going through life. And after a while, they get pretty good at it. But then in the, further into the study, they come in and they take the glasses back off. Well, now their world's upside down and backwards again. And so now, it, you know, they stumble around, then it takes three days, and your brain clicks, and you get it right. Well, see, what a lot of us have done is we've come to Christ. Remember, the Bible says to take off the old, renew the spirit of your mind, put on the new. And we have the glasses on, and we come to Christ, they take them off. And we think, that's screwed up. And so we fight tooth and toenail to get the glasses back. But the reality is, is that life as you and I know it, God said there's a way that seemeth right to you, but the end is death, separation. I know it makes sense to you. You've got all, you know, your human system of logic, your secular system of logic. But God said in the beginning was the word. In the beginning was the word. That word is logos. It's where we get our word logic. God's system of logic was released in the beginning. That was his plan. He had a plan. 
God had a plan. And his system of logic is not warmly embraced today. We have a world system, a secular system of logic that's contrary to God. And so it's like having the glasses on and everything's upside down and backwards. But the reality is, is that when you come to God, that's, you take the glasses off. It only looks that way for a while. So we pursue all kinds of things. But in our own strength, in our own desire, in our own mentality, we're wrong. And I don't know anybody that gets up in the morning and looks in the mirror and goes, wow, you are one greedy dude. You know, those things, we hide them, we cover them, we, we pretend it isn't there. But God wants to bring that stuff to the surface to fix us. Hello? Even the story of Jesus. Man, there's, there's just his birth, you know, his life. You know, I know we're, we're Christians. We think that Jesus came so we could have a better life. Guys, that's way too small. It's so much bigger than that. He didn't come so you could have a better life. He is bigger than life. He's bigger than that. In, in Matthew, check this out. In Matthew chapter 1. Now I'm just going to read it to you. I told him don't put the first scriptures on the screen just to mess with you. Because it's Christmas and I want to give you something. Look at your neighbor and say, Pastor Tom likes you. You should be a jerk to your neighbors so that they know how to deal with me a little bit easier. They'll think that you're the issue. Okay? Okay. I just believe my job is kind of kind of to, to touch you, maybe in a spot everybody else is afraid to. Right? Because you, you know how it is, Ron. Your friends are afraid to tell you the truth. <laughs> we have three images. We have a perceived image. That's the way we think everybody sees us. We have a projected image. That's the way that we want everybody to see us. And we have a true image. Only the true image did Jesus come to die for. Amen. Only a true image. Only the true you. That, that picture you have in your mind. And, and when we come to Christ, sometimes we even come to him through a perceived image. We think we know what he's up to. We think we know all about God. I, I, you know what's so weird is in the last couple of weeks, I've been talking to a lot of people about the, that study with the glasses. And in every single case, and I know some of you are in the room, and, and you're going you're gonna to be a little offended maybe, but the reality is, is I didn't talk to anybody about that study that went, wow, I see stuff. No, they immediately started talking about people that they know that need to take their glasses off. You do realize that in every group, there's at least one problem. In every group of people, there's at least one problem. And if you can't figure out who it is, it's you. You know, we got to take the glasses off. If you come to Jesus, you come to church, you think you know what God's up to. No, man, that's a perceived image. You got to come to Christ and let him be God. Check it out. Verse 18, I'm reading from the Amplified. Matthew 1, 18. The birth of Jesus Christ took place under these circumstances. Everybody say circumstances. I just want to point out that everybody has circumstances. I know yours are worse than anybody else's, but everybody has them. 
We have an idea that it's our circumstance that is to blame for everything. No, circumstances, that word simply means the circle in which you stand. If you don't like your circumstances, move to the left five feet. You'll have a new set of circumstances. Circumstances are always, always part of the package, but they are not the package. I know you think if God would change your circumstances, your life would be better. But the problem with it is, is that if you're standing in a circle, you are there. It's not the circumstances, it's you. You know, you can relocate, you can pack up, and you can move to Hawaii. And you'll find out in a few weeks that they've decided that Tri-Cities is a tourist spot. Because you now are in Hawaii. Just remember that wherever you go in life, there you shall be, right? That's where you're at. Everybody has circumstances. These are the circumstances. When his mother, Mary, had been promised in marriage to Joseph before they had come together. You know what that means? They're going, yes, 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 we know, because they're afraid I'll tell you. When his mother Mary had been promised in marriage to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. And her promised husband, Joseph, being a just and upright man, said, sure, she did. Come on, guys. Don't, don't, get, up, don't get religious. Let's get real. Here's Joseph. He's a just and upright man. Mary is a virgin. And she says it was the Holy Ghost. And he says, okie dokie, and decides privately to divorce her. He makes a decision. He's, he's a good guy. He's not going to do it publicly. He's going to deal with her privately. And while he thought about it, and thought about it, and thought about it. Trust me, this ain't just a, this isn't just something that flashes through your mind. He's thinking, and thinking, and thinking, and thinking. An angel of the Lord shows up and says, "Behold, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Take Mary as your wife, for this really is of the Holy Spirit. She's going to bear a son." You'll call his name Jesus, or Joshua, which means Savior, for he will save his people. I want you to listen to what the Amplified says. He will prevent them from failing and missing the true end, the true scope of life. Jesus didn't come just so that someday you'll have heaven. He came so that you won't miss the true end. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but that end. That's your perceived end. That's the way that seems right. That's what you perceive. But he came so that you wouldn't miss the true end, true life. He came to help you take the glasses off, help turn your world upside down and put it right again. He came to give you not life but life real life look at your neighbor and say i want real life 
Joseph, being aroused from his sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her to be his wife. He had no union with her as her husband until she had borne her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. It's a video camera. Dad. Just like the one you wanted. Wait, that is the one you wanted, right? Uh, yeah. Great. That's awesome. Well, enjoy it. You get your present early this year. Look, I didn't mean to... Oh, save it. What's your problem? What's my problem? My problem is coming home from a crappy day at work to find my son stealing his own Christmas gift. Look, I didn't even mean to find the stupid thing. Here, take it. Oh, no. It's yours. Your mother looked all over town for that thing. The least you can do is make good use of it. Fine, whatever. Merry Christmas! Hi, honey. I'm going out to meet Jesse. Okay. Oh, um, thanks for the camera. Why does he get his present early? It's so unfair. What about that one? Uh, too cutesy. This camera's pretty cool. Yeah, probably not worth the hassle, though. So what's up with your dad anyway? I don't know. I guess he just hates his own life so much that we all have to hate ours, too. Ever talk to him about it? Yeah, right. It's like I don't even exist unless I'm in trouble. And especially now that I've ruined Christmas, I really don't exist. At least they got you what you wanted. I don't even know if my dad will show up. What about that one? Eh. So I was reading the Christmas story in the Bible the other day. Really? Yes, really. So there's this part where the Magi show up to King Herod's and tell him about the Messiah being born. And the king's all like, tell me where he's at, because he wants to kill him, right? But word spreads all over that the Messiah, this guy they've been waiting their whole lives for, is here. But the only people who go visit him are the Magi and some shepherds. <laughs> Can you imagine? The Son of God is born in your own backyard and you don't even go visit? Yeah. Imagine if he was born today. <laughs> I know, right? There'd be all these talking heads on TV arguing whether he's the real thing or just a PR stunt. Like that balloon boy? Yeah. There it is. I knew I could get a smile out of you. Jesse Coulson here with KBSI News. Mr. Merriweather, what are your thoughts on the alleged birth of the alleged Christ child? Well, I might go see it, but game's on tonight. Oh yeah, and I've got soccer practice, so I'll probably just wait for the DVD. 
And what are your thoughts on the alleged Magi? Wise men or a terrorist threat? Not sure. Hi, honey. Hey, I'm going to bed. Listen, Daniel. About this afternoon, I know your dad kind of blew up at you. But I think you need to apologize to him. Apologize? For what? I didn't even do anything. I wasn't even looking for the stupid camera. Then what were you doing in there? I was looking for... Are you going to answer me? Look, I was looking for the camera, right? I want to make sure you got me exactly what I wanted. Is that what you wanted to hear? Daniel, come on. You know I don't think that. Dad does. Your dad has been under a lot of pressure lately. Who hasn't been under a lot of pressure? You've been under a lot of pressure. I don't see you being a complete jerk to everyone in the room. Do not talk about your father like that. Then tell him to stop accusing me of things I didn't do. Look, can you guys just try and get along for a little while? It's Christmas, honey. Yeah, well, you could have fooled me. He hates me. He's a teenager. He hates everything. I just want a little respect. Is that so much to ask? Who knows, maybe he just wants the same thing. Christmas break, Mom. Oh, okay. Good. You can help me decorate the tree. Whatever happened to the old decorations that we used to have? Which decorations, honey? You know, the ones that used to be at Grandma's? Oh, I'm sure we threw those out a long time ago. They were so beat up, they made everything look cheap. The new decorations are so much nicer. Don't you think? I think so. Oh, shut up. You shut up. I think he needs a timeout, Mom. They really threw it out? Yep, stockings, ornaments, even the little manger scene. That's just wrong. Yeah, my grandma made a lot of that by hand. Now it's all gone, just like that. And I'm the only one who thinks it's a big deal. Give me your phone. What for? I'm going to send a text message to God. Dear God, please help my friend Daniel, who has lost something important to him. I know you are busy, but this one thing will mean a lot. Love, Jesse. Amen. You're crazy. You watch. It'll be a Christmas miracle. So my dad's coming to visit this weekend. How do you feel about that? I'm happy, I guess. It's been a while. 
think as long as there's no beer involved, it'll be okay. Seems simple enough. You want me to send a text message for you? <laughs> if you don't mind. You know, you may not like being part of this family, but you are. And that means you have a certain level of responsibility. Oh, the Christmas party. Yeah. We're 45 minutes late, and you're not even dressed. Look, I'm sorry, I forgot. <laughs> I am so sick of I'm sorry. Look, just go without me. I didn't even want to go anyways. Oh, you're going. Why, so I can play Secret Santa with a bunch of people I don't even know? We've gone to church with them since you were a baby. Church? When is the last time you went to church? Oh, come on, Daniel. It's just a Christmas party. Go upstairs and get dressed right now. No. No? Why, you little punk! Stop yelling! Please. No. I am sick of this! I work 60 hours a week. So this family has a roof, food on the table, and all the little toys you want. And you don't show one bit of gratitude. What chance do I get? All you do is ride me. I don't even want any of this stuff anyway. Oh, well, fine. I just won't get you anything else ever again. How about that? Fine with me. Here. Merry Christmas. If you go up there, don't bother coming back down. You're grounded, my friend. Jesse, is he... Okay, I'll be right there. Kick his little... Calm down, Robert. Daniel! How do you expect me to show him an ounce of sympathy when as soon as I turn my back, he goes and does something like this? You know, if you would just stop for a moment and give everyone a chance to breathe, you might realize that not everyone is out to get you. We'll talk to him when he gets home.
There's a bunch of pieces made out of plaster. There were donkeys and wise men and, you know, even little baby Jesus. My dad and his brothers made them when they were kids. Sounds cool. Yeah, wasn't even really well made, but that was kind of, you know, the charm of it. My job was to lay out all the pieces on Christmas, and I just thought, you know, that's what Christmas used to be about. I thought Christmas was about Jesus' birthday. Yeah, but, you know, I don't know. Christmas used to be just holy, and I thought if I could find that one thing, then maybe it would remind me of how Christmas used to be, and not how things got all messed up. Robert, it's the police. Look, Dad, I'm sorry, she needed my help. I I had to come. Sorry, she I had needed to come. my help. I Let's go home. I was going to set this all up myself, but uh, I thought maybe you'd like to do the honors. I've been so empty for so long and so angry for so long.
I don't want to be like that anymore. So I was thinking that maybe if you could forgive me for being a jerk, and maybe I could forgive you for being a punk, and maybe we could see where we go from there. Sound like a plan? distracted by life we end up separated from the real life that Jesus came to connect us to he came to bring us to the true end the true life the true source the true meaning but we get caught up with so many other things that all of us it's not just an individual issue it's all of us we end up empty and broken and angry and separated and i know we we'd really like to have you know a, a the the christmas scene it's it's cuter to have the kids do the play and ha, you know and have you know the the living nativity with a buck tooth jesus that's awesome but I, but i really think there's more reality in this story than many of us know how to deal with this is really where a lot of us are at in our in our walk and yet we're believers, and we're empty. And that was not God's purpose or his intention when he sent his son. They sing that song, O come, all ye faithful, joyful, and triumphant. You won't know joy if you don't really know Christ. You won't know triumph and victory until you really know the true end, the true life, the true source, God life. Come and behold him. Come and behold him. You know, behold is such an awesome word. It means stop, focus, see this clearly. See it correctly. All through the Bible, there's statements about Christ that follow the word behold that are amazing statements. And, uh, you know, next week we're going to dive into them, tear them down, really look at it. But, you know, the, the fact is that it, what it literally means is stop, see him clearly. You know, when, when you hear that, come and behold him, not your perception of him, not what you think, not the game. Don't. Play Christmas 
and miss Christ. Come and behold him. Look at what he really came to to do. Think about it. 700 years before his birth, he's prophesied. A virgin's going to give birth to the Savior 700 years before his birth. I love the fact that David makes this statement. He says, I look behind me and you are there. And I look in front of me and I see you're out there too. And we know that if we could look around right where we are today, he's with us. How many times do we have hindsight? We look back and we realize God was with me even when I didn't know he was there. I look at the story of Christ 700 years in advance. God made a commitment because he told them, the Savior's coming. Going to be born of a virgin. Going to be wrapped in swaddling cloth. What's what's swaddling cloth? That's the cloth that's used to wrap a a body in preparation for burial. So in his time, these people knew he was born to die. 700 years before his birth, he told them. So there was some planning going on prior to the 700 years. Because we got to get stuff lined up and in order so that these decisions and all of these steps lead to the right place so that I can tell you that 700 years from now, a Savior is going to be born. I got to do some work. I got to line some stuff up. I got to pull a plan together so that 700 years after I prophesied, it actually comes to pass. So that there's no way that anybody could mess it up. We're talking about some crazy good planning. Do you realize that 700 years before the birth of Christ, when it was declared that Christ would be born, he was coming to fulfill a plan. Over 2,000 years after his birth, that there would be redemption for you. Guys, if you look back and you realize, I need to see this correctly. I might need to pull the glasses off because the way I see it, the way I see us. You know, as Shelby and I and different leaders in the church, as we minister to people in the, in the house, you know, what, you know what I'm finding? I'm finding that we don't really have the fullness of God life. I find that some of you are empty and broken and hurting, and it's all right, because really, you know, the only part of that song, Oh, Come, All Ye Faithful, the only part that I think is probably theoretically you know, wrong, you, you know, in, in theology is the first line. Hundreds of years, you know, I think the theology's off just a little bit on the first line. Oh, come, all ye faithful. Because in reality, Jesus didn't come for the faithful. He came for the faithless. He came for the hurting. He came for the dying. He came for the broken. And I know in your perceived image, you project an image that says, I'm okay. But the reality is, the truth is, I'm one of the faithless. I'm one of the hurting. I'm one of the broken. You're one of the ones that he came for. I don't know what picture you're trying to paint for the world today. But I'll tell you this much. In order to be connected to the true end, the true scope of life, the true life, the giver of life, 
the true you, the true identity, has got to come and behold Him. You've got to stop. You've got to focus. You've got to see Him correctly. If you don't, then you'll go through life, and even though your world's upside down and backwards, and you've learned how to kind of manipulate your way through it, and you look pretty good, but you're still separated from the life he came to connect you to. And in those moments, unfortunately, it's not the best moments. It's the darkest moments. It's when they call you up and they tell you, you know, your mama went home to be with Jesus. It's when they tell you, you know, he was a good man. But we're not going to see him again. It's at the moments when they tell you, you know, we don't know what to do. Don't know how to deal with you. You're too much. It's at those moments that real life matters. That real Christ makes a difference. Oh, on a good day, it doesn't matter that we play church. You play Christmas. It's on the hard days that having real Christ makes a difference. Today, at this season, in this moment, at this holiday, realize that there's still room for the faithless, for the hurting, for the empty. And I know we got our thing going on. Can't nobody know that's me. They think I've got it all together. I doubt it. But the reality is, is that you don't have to go home empty. You don't have to go home broken. You can go home empowered. I am ready for and equal to anything that comes my way through Christ who infuses me with inner strength. Today, I, I got a challenge for you. Come and behold Him. This season is about Him. Not us. Him. And Him through and in us changes everything. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes, and I just want to pray for you. If you're here today and you are separated, separated from real life, separated from real joy, Separated from real victory, real triumph. Things are beating you down. You, you, you feel empty. You feel angry. You feel Whatever that is in your world, if that's you, this is your day. He came for you. We're all going to pray a prayer, and I'm not going to embarrass you, and I'm not going to call you out. And, and I don't want you to think that I'm just asking for people to, to respond who have, you know, need to secure their salvation. Or, no, I'm, I'm actually asking you today, are you separated from God life? 
He came so we wouldn't miss it, so we wouldn't fail and miss the true end, the true scope of life. Today, as we pray this prayer, I, I really believe with every fiber of my being, with everything that's within me, I know that real life, Christ can make a real difference. Millions of people around the world would testify that this life that was prophesied hundreds of years before his birth, he was born over 2,000 years ago, yet today he has changed their life. I'm one of those people. I believe that today God can change your world through Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you say, I want that, I want, I want to get real with God, I need God to be real with me, I want Jesus Christ to change my life, include me in this prayer. If that's you, just hold your hand up. No, we're not going to call you out. No one's looking around, but thank you, thank you, thank you. You can put them back down. Anybody else? That's me. This is my prayer today. I'm getting real here. I want to behold him. Anybody else? Real quick. We're all going to pray. You ready? Thank you. Everybody in the place, pray this with me. Say, dear Heavenly Father, I need you. I know I need you. I need your love. I need your acceptance. I need your forgiveness. Come into my life. Change me from the inside out. Give me strength. Give me vision. Give me wisdom. I choose to live for you every day of my life. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for setting me free. In Jesus' mighty name.